our husbands and wives. Daddy. Y otros en Mi Mejor Amigo, este domingo solo por Univision. This is Radio Land, huh? The Infinite Turtle, the, the waves through the ether fuzz roll on forever. Roar! This is Death by DVD. I am your host, Alexander Nash, and with me as always is my co-host and ladies and gentlemen you know you have found a very good co-host and you know when you know that's true when he'll have your dog it's hank that's probably the most obscure and bizarre reference since the time you called me lionel doobie <laughs> that was yesterday and i didn't call you lionel doobie i called you jeff skunk master which is exactly what you look like <laughs> who is actually Lionel Doobie. Uh, hi, yeah, oh, I'm, local, <laughs> I'm local funny man Hank, the world's greatest, or whatever bullshit we are calling me this week. And this is Death by DVD episode one, or episode 373, depending on which way you look at it. But this is the new Death by DVD, and what makes it new? Nothing. It's pretty much the exact same thing, uh, but we're on a different server and we're coming at you with more tenacity and in, in all of your holes not just your ear or your eye holes we have mics that's the big new change we have mics the show is no longer recorded in a backyard anymore i i kind of want to go back to that when you take all your bullshit outside and go in the backyard and get attacked by owls again well that's the thing you know people have asked over the years who is i alexander nash and who is Hank, the world's greatest, lots of other words attached to it. And, uh, you know, for me personally, there's a lot of speculation that Hank might have been over the last 10 years. And this is ju just a reminder. I don't think we've said it yet. Our 10-year anniversary and why we're changing things up is a big part of our 10-year anniversary and what's going on. Uh, I've been a couple different people. There's been different actors. Hank is, uh, Hank is the walrus. You know, it's kind of a Paul McCartney kind of thing. Some people say that I'm this douchebag named Harry, which is a reprehensible name. Dirty Harry, which is even worse. That's a, a grown man that calls himself Dirty Harry. That's ridiculous. But I'm here to let you know I'm just Hank. I'm more like an urban myth. I'm like Bigfoot. You know, I come out of the woods at night, and I'm usually drunk, and I, uh, I talk about horror movies or sometimes Ace in the Hole with Kirk Douglas. I've been fond of talking about that for no reason. In what way are any of those things comparable to Bigfoot? In well, what way? if you one of those, you go back and you study some of the first sightings of Bigfoot in Northern California, you'll see that he uh, was a big Ingmar Bergman fan and left copies of the Seventh Seal at all of his original Bigfoot sightings. It wasn't a hey. wasn't a footprint. He's very much into Max von Sydow and playing with his own shit. That's that's typical Bigfoot behavior. Uh, you have the very uh, well-known 1984 Oregon Bigfoot sighting where he was caught watching the Virgin Springs outside of a camping ground. That's not real. That's not real at all. That's completely made-up bullshit. Well, as following the trend of made-up bullshit, that's kind of what Death by DVD is. Uh, starting over again, which we're really not, we've moved forward into the interfuzz and... Things are rolling on forever, and Death by DVD is just kind of moving on up to the east side, to a deluxe apartment in the sky. 
We're trying to change our audio quality and our quality. And we're, we're moving from under the thumb of, as we've referred to the last 10 years, uh, these reprehensible Canadians, blog talk radio. And now we are completely independent. We're free to do what we want to. We were always pretty free to do what we wanted to. We just yeah. cut off now. We won't have shows prematurely ended for absolutely no reason. We can actually edit. How much editing we will actually do is probably going to be up in the air. I doubt we'll do very much editing at all because everything we say is gold, especially me. Most everything I say is gold. Well, one of the big points of the original Death by DVD, or as I will refer to it from now on out as classic Death by DVD or Death by, the, uh, Death by DVD classic, is that we were live. We had garnered a lot of audience members that enjoyed listening to us live and having the broadcast experience. And so when we did the show, we, we got pumped up. We did it live. We wanted to give you a bit of a performance. And now we have an opportunity to do things a little bit different and get into a, a lot of different material. We really won't be playing full songs ripped from movies owned by um, big, giant companies anymore, though. <laughs> That's changing. That's a sad day. I mean, the day we can't play the theme from Black Belt Jones is the day I really don't want to do this show anymore. I might be able to get away with that, but uh, we are definitely not playing from Prom Night to Hello, Mary Lou, because that seems to be $30,000. <laughs> Uh, God, what song was it? it? Was the uh, was it the Nelsons? Ricky Nelson. Ricky Nelson. Yeah, uh, fans of Joe Bob Briggs' Chiller Drive-In, or that's not what it's called. What is it called now? Uh, the Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Drip. Yeah, Joe Bob Briggs. Drip Drop Jibs. That's his famous name. John Bloom. John Bloom. They uh, discussed that. What was it, the last episode? But over the years, I guess Death by DVD has taken a lot of different turns. We've had a lot of different format changes. Uh, again, rumor, there's been a few different Hanks. But at its core, we've never really said this before, but Death by DVD has been uh, written perfectly. And this is something you came up with 10 years ago that I've changed a little bit over the years. But Death by DVD, when watching is never enough. We here at Death by DVD sit painfully through hours and hours of movies, so you, the audience, can make an informed decision of what you put in your ear holes and eye holes. Some of these films are good, bad, and some even unmentionable, but all have one thing in common. Watching all of these movies will one day melt our brains into a sloppy, wet mush. No need to thank us. We're already methodically destroying ourselves with cinema. At least this way there is a permanent record of our demise. As the midnight hour approaches, the smoke sets heavy, and the booze begins to flow like blood. Tune in and drop through hell with your hosts, Hank the World's Greatest and I, Alexander Nash, as we take you on a journey through the world of horror, gore, cult, strange, slasher, psychotronic, trash, twisted, gornography, weird, drive-in, cheesy, lost, rare, and frightening films. Join us as two lives collapse on themselves. Ten years! And the mission the, statement. Ten years and it still rings true. That is Death by DVD. That's what we are. Uh, and we are, I guess, here somewhat semi-professionally now. We're taking it seriously. I wouldn't take it that far. Semi-professional is, uh, yeah, that might be stretching the truth a little bit. Our lives have collapsed upon themselves so much that we can now actually do a pretty decent Death by DVD. Let's say it that way. That is true. Our lives have collapsed upon themselves. Ten years ago when we started this, the very first episode was on July 9th, 2009, and we talked about The Thing, Tourist Trap, and The Happening. 
Which, uh, if we could go back, and I don't think we really covered this, but we didn't come up with an idea of movies to review on our first episode, which to me now is suddenly an intriguing idea because both of our tastes have changed so much and so drastically. Looking back, The Happening, why? That was your idea. Yeah. I was against it. I believe I I wanted to kind of have something in common with our audience and and be able to relate to them and talk about something that was recent, which that clearly was. And that's a mistake. Relating to your audience is a horrible mistake. I don't know why you freaks listen to us, but there's always been one person, one download at least once a month in the last 10 years. Even if we've only recorded one episode in that year, there's always been one. And we have agreed that that one download more than likely is Sam Neill. Yeah, it's Sam Neill or possibly Fred Olin Ray, and uh, good to bring that up early so the people that are probably going to tune out in a little while will get this under their belts. A couple years ago, we did a review of Possession, uh, an amazing film from 1981 with Sam Neill and Isabella Johnny. Somehow, someway, Sam Neill wasted 30 minutes of his life, 33 minutes, I think, listening to that episode and decided to go on Twitter and say, after 30 years, these two guys get it. Which, to me, that's probably the highlight of Death by DVD. Sam Neill thought we got it. And that's a pretty, I wouldn't say advanced movie, but it's a lot of thought, a lot of layers, a lot of different things going on. So I felt, for once, in my basement-dwelling existence, all right. (laughs) You get sucked off a little bit by Sam Neill, it changes your life. I like like the way you say that. (laughs) That's what he was doing. He was waxing your car. Hey, you guys seem like pretty smart because you were able to figure out a movie that people have maligned for the last 35 years. Sure. I'm proud well, that's, of it. That's what we do. You know, that's Death by DVD. It didn't maybe start this way. I think we really had two different ideas. And somehow after 10 years of just life and movies and cinema, we've met in the middle and have gotten back to the original point. But... Uh, we have a certain subject matter that we certainly will get into that we cover, but the the point of this show, the point of our existence is it, exposing you to different forms of art that you might not have been exposed to or thought of. Maybe it's something you've seen or heard of and you didn't like, and we're going to try and spin it to you different for the good or the worse or better or worse or whatever humans say. Well, think about the um, the format of the original, God, I don't know, 20 shows maybe. I don't remember how long that went on. Where it started off with, I can't, was it a recently seen, they all had, all the segments had titles. One. Dumb fucking horror titles. One was called Through Dead Men's Eyes, and I think yes. that was our recently seen. Yeah. We had the, there was another one that was just as cheesy, but still pretty fun. They were all fun titles, and I think that's what we were shooting for, is kind of a horror host show. And at the time, that was really popular. There We had a lot of people that are still in the industry, like Rob Dimension, a filmmaker and wrestler who had started a podcast and a television show called uh, Late Night at the Horror Hotel, I believe it was. And we were interviewed by the Philadelphia Examiner as horror hosts. So we kind of tried to keep this persona and gimmick up of fun, fresh things. And eventually, uh, either the gimmick ate us or we ate the gimmick. Uh, It doesn't really matter which way it happened, but we kind of just became this weird base of uh, oddity. Just we were a a focus on a freak show, kind of. Well, my gimmick is still my gimmick because my gimmick has always been me. I I never really had a gimmick. I guess I'm gimmicky enough in myself, just my personality in general. 
I'm a heel. I'm the heel on this show. We know it. And that's, I guess, what I'm accepted for. But I'm a heel in real life. That's just how it is. And that's, I guess, what you're getting to experience on the new Death by DVD is there's not going to be as much uh, deep-seated backstories about the Canadian Broadcasting Center owning us and hunting us down. We will do another Michael Ironside episode. If you remember Sides of Iron, we certainly will will bring that back for, for the fuck of it because it's all true. But Brilliant. It's a brilliant thing. Yeah, that was art between both of us that I think somebody else had created with you, and I, I helped carry on the great legacy. We'll still have fun, and we'll still be as fun as possible, but we're here to talk about movies, man. That's it. We're here to talk about movies and, I don't know, maybe some plays here and there? I will not be seeing any plays. You don't have to see them. I mean, you can watch them. Like Spider, you know, something like that. That sounds like a solo show, Hank. Well, that too, a couple years ago, we were pumping out a lot of solo shows, a regular Death by DVD, and that was before we had any kind of fun new segments, which a lot of people have asked, are we going to carry on with those new segments? I'll get to that in a little bit. But hopefully we will be able to have new and different solo shows between both of us with different content and some different things. We have a new website also, by the way. No more blog talk radio, no more Googling or going to iTunes to find us. You can go to deathbydvd.something-something-something.fm. Now, hold on a second here. I'll remember it. It's new to us. It's new to you. Well, Googling it, it'll bring up the old server still, unfortunately. But, hey, we're allowed some flubs. We're figuring out how to say things and remember it. What a douchebag to not know our website. But it's deathbydvd.transistor.fm. You can check our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We still have all of those and find us and see updates. Keep up with us. We'll be distributed on a lot of different places than we previously were. iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, a new RSS feed on iTunes. So all those old episodes, all 372, about 383 hours of Death by DVD classics, they are gone. But have no fear. Each episode is safely locked inside an old missile silo somewhere in the Midwest in any town USA where our studio is located. And we will be re-releasing those. I said that earlier. As, you know, we're going to remaster some of them, clean up some of that old audio. We had some great old episodes with some people that are no longer with us. We had, uh, I think, I believe, the last recorded interview with the dearly departed writer Philip Nutman, writer-producer, screenwriter Philip Nutman. We've had uh, Deep Red writer Chris Goods, uh, Chris Gilpin, Greg Goodsell, Roy Frumkes, writer of Street Trash. We've had uh, creator and content writer for Swamp Thing, Stephen Bissett, on the show. All, all, all those episodes are saved. They exist. You'll hear them again. Yeah, um, we'll be sporadically releasing episodes that we deem worthy because some of those need to be still locked in the silo. They don't need to be seeing the light of day anytime soon. But some of the, the better ones, like the... I mean, we've just in the last few months started creating specialty shows such as uh, the Philosophy of the Dead series where we take a director and kind of go into a scholastic sort of form with it and kind of create a thesis for this director's particular, his his body of work and try to back that thesis up with, you know, evidence of how we view their, their litany of work as it's all stream together we'll also have uh cinema blood sport which is just a good-natured debate where i yell at hank for saying that 
<laughs> the Terminator is not an action film. It's sci-fi, so it doesn't count. Um, but that, some people seem to enjoy the cinema blood sports stuff. And we will also have uh, the favorite of uh, King of the Basement, which is the, I don't know, what is that? Every three months we'll do like a quiz show um, where we test each other's knowledge and Hank completely bum rushes me with hammer questions and shit from the 1920s. That definitely is a fan favorite, and uh, I don't think needs reformatting, but our Cinema Bloodsport, that's going to need some work. We're going to have to figure out how to do that better. Our last episode was quite a conundrum, that it was a double-recorded live incident. We were dropped off the air twice, almost two hours into doing a debate on which Friday the 13th movie was better. So we were wasting our time in the worst way possible in the first place before they fucked us over. And we've moved on, but I think we did really good with that, and that was really enjoyed by people, and that's a lot of the subject matter that we're, we're going to get into. We know what you want to hear, we know what fans want to hear. Previously, we've tried to cover so many different things, you know, and there, there are so many different options, because a lot of our audience loves the hardcore underground, they love things like August Underground, which is, you know, one of the easiest movies Anybody can get into uh, when they're really wanting to find extreme cinema, but some of our audience loves Phantom of the Paradise. Some of our audience really, really loves Ghoulies, and we want to include all of that and, and just put it into a nice format. And as we have been doing, like our Spring Break episode, I absolutely loved doing. We exposed you guys to a, a whole cavalcade of completely different content you probably haven't thought of or even seen or thought known before. Malibu Bikini Shop, Summer Job, Spring Break by Sean Cunningham. I love Spring Break. That movie is so much dumb fun. Uh, a bunch of half-naked dudes drinking Miller Lite. And it's it's actually a really positive movie. It never gets rapey, which is think, weird for an 80s teen sex comedy. I think it was specifically Miller High Life, that whole movie. Oh, yes, The Champagne of Beers. Yeah, uh, so we, we want to get into new grounds with you guys, but it's covering a lot of old stuff. We're going to be in the 70s and the 80s and the 60s, sometime in the 90s. I mean, the industry has changed. We've changed. We're here as critics, and the point of Death by DVDs, I, Alexander Nash, and myself, Hank, the whatever world's happiest fella everyone's ever met to criticize movies. What we do is we criticize movies. We are film critics. Prior to Death by DVD, I, Alexander Nash, had a career as an artist and a writer. I had a career doing other review shows and starting as a critic and writing. And to this day, we continue to be doing both things, our venue mostly being Death by DVD. Yeah, mine has uh, kind of changed over the years. I'm no longer a dark artist. I am now a dark tattoo artist. <laughs> and I still talk shit about movies all the time. So not much has changed really at all. The big point is we're here to talk about film. We're here to talk about it for better or for worse, or whether it's good or bad. That's what criticizing is. It's not picking on something. We're not here to say, we hate this movie because Joaquin Phoenix wasn't in it. I don't like Robert Pattinson as Batman. That's not the point of being a critic. There are things that you have to examine and look at when it comes to a movie. And constantly, we hear this, I hear this all the time, especially when we possibly offend people, which we recently have and will do again. What? Why don't you get behind the camera? Why don't you do it? Well, not everyone does. Uh, somebody threw at me recently. Well, you know, at least Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel made a movie. 
Uh, Gene Siskel did nothing but review film his entire life, and Roger Ebert debatably wrote one of the worst movies of the 70s. I will not get into the semantics of Ebert and Siskel and Siskel and Roper or whichever you prefer, but our point is we are critics. We review and we criticize some esoteric and bizarre subject matter, and it might offend you because it might be something you really like. That's mostly my bag is like getting into the esoteric and the weird stuff. And we'll get in some modern movies. Um, I'm just, I would say I am fair. I will tell you exactly what is wrong with a movie. Even if I like the movie, I can still pick out its flaws. And certain movies will probably get raked over the coals. But I mean, that's just how I feel. It's, that's how all this stuff works, how, how being a critic is. It's all subjective, and you have to take everything everybody says with a grain of salt with their own personal biases. But I at least can back up everything that I say with facts and just a knowledge of cinema in general. I've, I've been into this game for, what, Jesus, 35 years at this point, maybe? where this like it's one of the most important things in my life being one of those video store kids growing up and just having to see everything at the video store and it just it it's really kind of like a monumental thing for a kid to grow up with movies the way some of us did and some people they just don't care that just whatever is new comes out i enjoyed it and they move on uh, we're the kind of people that get involved in the deep minutia of everything from the large, big blockbuster movies and down to the small, shot-on home video bullshit from the 80s. That's what makes film interesting altogether. I mean, we'll cover art, trash, pornography, everything in our motto and mission statement. There's a whole world and a whole atmosphere outside of just TV and, and the same episode of the same whatever or the giant saga that you've gotten sucked to on television that people have forgotten about. And one thing that has been consistent with Death by DVD is, sure, we've done about 38 Return of the Living Dead shows. We've talked about Starship Troopers 19 times. The same fucking thing every time each show is, oh, it's about not America's the Nazis. Not, it's based on the book by Big and Louder. It's about Nazis. Same thing. We've been very repetitive. It's been 10 years. We're going to go back and talk about some of these things over again and hopefully do it differently. But the, the, the integrity behind this is, is just being a critic and being able to go out there and expose yourself for who you are. You, Alexander Nash, you don't use social media. So you're not out there and you're not getting a lot of fuck yous. But in general, putting yourself out uh, with a show, with a title. People are going to disagree with us no matter what. And that has always been a consistent problem years ago. We did a show about a director named Lucifer Valentine, and it wasn't a very positive thing. We didn't have a lot of A-plus nice things to say. And for years, uh, we got a lot of hate and, and just a lot of bizarre incidents happened after that. It's going to continue to happen because people will always have an issue with critics. You've become disliked even by your friends. We've garnered and made friends with a lot of people in the industry over the years, and we've been lucky enough to have some of them on the show, as previously mentioned. We hope to have... And, and we'll have guests again on Death by DVD, but uh, we're hoping to provide a different venue than we previously had. Being able to have a guest instead of interviewing them for their celebrity status or whatever they do, we would love to have someone come on and, and join us as a critic. 
be on the show with us, uh, experience Death by DVD. As for some of our other segments, like King of the Basement, we are ready to have guests. We are ready to make this a fully up-your-ass experience, if you want it to be. We're here 10 years later. We've been doing this for 10 years. Obviously, we've gotten older. Our tastes have changed. We've changed. But Death by DVD remains the same. Yeah, your taste has changed. My taste is still the same garbage. My taste yeah. hasn't significantly changed. Yeah, that's a good point. You haven't really gotten into... Uh, I mean, I'd say here and there, you've lightened up on some stuff. I think some things that you might have really... And, and me too. Like, let's go back uh, and, and, and bring up the first episode. The Thing Tourist Trap and The Changeling. Not the... Cha I keep saying that. I wish it was The Changeling. <laughs> I want to talk about The Changeling, I guess, is the problem. The Happening by M. Night Shyamalan. I, I'm sure when we went back and uh, and did that, oh, not went back. If we went back and listened to that episode, it would just be con bitching. M. Night Shyamalan is an inconsistent director, and, and a lot of these things are true, but it would just be uh, kind of harping and bitching as to where now, I think formidably we could talk about the movie without even negatively reviewing it and just throwing it out there that it's not a bad movie. It is it is very inconsistent. It's inconsistently written. Mark Wahlberg's not believable as a science teacher. There's a lot of holes, but for all intents and purposes, you catch the movie on TNT at two in the morning, yeah, watch it. I don't know if that's a network anymore, TNT. It is a network, yes. Okay, yeah. I don't have cable, I stream. And we'll get into streaming at some point. I'm sure well, it's, a, it's a personal bitching gripe of mine, but whatever, it's the future. Go with it. Take a look at my face. I am the future. Thank you, Alice Cooper. That's, again, too, you know, uh, one fun thing is we get to go back and talk about some movies that we did years ago and we kind of shot the wad with and did a bit too early, uh, like Class of 1984, Class of 1999. Also, we have so much to go back over with different perspective and to bring you guys and just bringing up again distribution makes this so much easier on us and makes it easier on you because you're not going to have to worry about directly downloading from our website or typing death by DVD into Google. We hopefully fingers crossed, knock on wood will be on so many different places. You can favorite us on Spotify or iHeartRadio. It won't just be checking iTunes. It won't be monotonous and missing episodes or, a lot of the times from what I've experienced and have been learning from talking to the audience, which is something we haven't done really in the past. We've kind of been stationary. The show's existed and we've put content out when we can. Lately, we've been really putting forth an effort with uh, Facebook, especially if you follow us on Facebook, we really try and get out there and talk to you and, and make you feel like you're a part of the show. But hearing you guys and hearing what you have to say makes this so much easier on us because we can cover and do what you want we can code totally make this experience tailor fit for you or yeah, I said that right. Fitted, tailored, whatever we tailor can make. Swift for you? Yeah, we can Taylor Swift this man. We can do whatever and uh, shake it off. I don't know. I don't have a Taylor Swift reference. I know nothing about modern times, but where I'm going with this is death by DVD is for you guys. You, you're listening. So we want to talk about the things you want to hear. So tell us, tell us what you want to hear. Message us, send us pictures of your penis. Okay, that's class action lawsuit in the way. Yeah, don't don't do that. Don't do that at all. But that. buy stuff from us. We will have a store open shortly, and uh, people that have already purchased stickers and buttons since you guys rule. Thanks for joining the official Death by DVD fan club. We are forever. Now we you are... have to buy a shirt too. 
So we we own your soul. If you still want to keep up with your fan club status, buy a shirt. Or the official fan club button that I didn't make when I made the fan club flyer. So you have to buy that now. You have to keep spending the money. That's the important thing is to keep sending the dollars this way so I can, you know, keep up on my my habits, my addictions. And thankfully, if you continue spending us money, those habits and addictions look like it's death by DVD. So we will we've got a good setup right now. We're we're trying our darndest to a lot of complaints we've gotten is the sound quality is awful. What pisses me off with that is the same guys that complain are profile pictures wearing black metal T-shirts. So you got to pick one. You guys sound like a black metal record. Well, that's isn't that the point in that metal but bitching aside, we're, we're trying to deliver you a, a very obscure and niche product. And for what we're doing and not asking for anything in return, my big hopes to the audience is that we can finally uh, please you motherfuckers. Put a smile on your darn faces. Listen to us on your way to work and learn something new and go home and check out the movie and find it and, and enjoy yourself. Take some time to appreciate art. As okay. artists... I don't know if I am very interested in pleasing people. I am ready for the stage where the people start pleasing me. That's what I'm in the mood for. So it's a it's, see, we're we're both sides of it. You're getting everything. I Alexander Nash wants to be pleased, and I'm here to please. But uh, both of us, as as artists and previous working and working artists, I think can appreciate art on multiple different levels. And one of the most important things about film and something that needs to be taken into consideration, even about movies, is you're working with every form of art on one level. You have mentioned before, down to the catering, culinary, every form of art is included when it comes to making a film. And the appreciation is lost so much on what the industry has become now, how streaming has changed the industry, and what big-budget pic- pictures are now. Uh, and, and back in the day, they used to be called popcorn salesmen, and that was producers or writers that just pumped out material to just pump out material. And not picking on people or assaulting people, but guys like James Wan in the modern time period that go from a Fast and Furious movie to a, a brand-new horror movie. They're just bouncing back and forth because they have a style, and currently the style is nothing. There's there's just jump scares and nothing. So semantics is, is very important with what we're going to be dealing with and what we're going to be talking about. And, uh, yeah, you brought up our Philosophy of the Dead segments. We get fairly political. That segment itself is very charged with a certain degree of politics that a lot of people I don't feel that are very into niche horror agree with. And that's something, you know, you, we will release one of our favorite episodes between you and I, I think one of our favorite episodes, the initial, the original philosophy that had the Ramiro episode. And I think that'll kind of explain things, but. Well, the thing that if you hear the phrase a lot now is like, why can't you just keep politics out of it? Why can't you keep politics out of TV and shows and movies and stuff. And it's like politics are in everything. They're in literally every conversation that you'll ever have with anyone for the most part. And art inherently is political. You may not agree with the politics that are stated within the art, and you might not agree with the political statements I make, but you at least have to acknowledge that they are valid and they are there. And if you don't like those statements, Again, it's okay, but you need to at least consider them. You need to really 
take it into your mind and think about it. Put yourself in someone else's shoes. And that's the great thing about cinema is it's the best opportunity as a human being to put yourself in someone else's shoes, to live through the body of a protagonist in a film and experience what they are experiencing. You get to getting even down to the nitty gritty of it all. You can experience as a white person racism in somebody else's eyes and see what it feels like to them. And if you're, automatic response to that of seeing a movie like get out or um sorry to bother you and you're just going oh my god it's just political and it's just about racism well listen to it for a little bit put yourself in someone else's shoes and pay attention to what they're telling you and you get to experience someone else's worldview and it'll make you appreciate humanity a hell of a lot more you won't be in your little echo chamber where everyone has offended you in every single way and why can't people just act the way i want them to act and that's a, just a completely negative worldview of how things are. Well, that's been a big history in film in general, uh, just focusing on something in particular, the Robert Downey Sr. movie, Putney Swope. Sort of a lost movie recently re-released for the, I think, first time on, on video or home owning by Vinegar Syndrome. It's a very submersive movie about being a black man and not being accepted in the white man industry world and this is going back to you know the radical 60s and you can jump forward to something like romper stopper or american history x and what's funny is you see the complaints where people will say well putney soap is very dated it's a dated movie and it has nothing to do with not right really. now american <laughs> history more current now than ever People, for Christ's sakes. Well, that's what people will say. That's what the reviews of this movie currently are. If you go and check Rotten Tomatoes, things will say, American History X is very dated. The movie is about affirmative action. And so what? that is <laughs> nothing more important now. I wouldn't say American History X is about affirmative action. It's a part I mean, It's a part of that story, but it's more of how people fall into things like fascism and something like a skinhead lifestyle. And the things that have turned them into this person that is full well it's about blind where they got there it's about blind faith or or, or just c complete ignorance or acknowledging anything that's in front of you or what the future might have you're just trusting the past the old guard refusing to become the new guard again uh when we re-released that ramiro show that was a big aspect of change and things changing which again brings us back to just death by dvd in general the tone of the show, the show itself, is changing, uh, just like the movie industry. Uh, a big complaint that we've gotten to over the years is you guys just don't talk about new movies. There's not a lot to get deep into. I can talk about Jeremy Solnier till I'm blue in the face. I have before and I will again, but that, it just gets boring. I feel bored doing it, so I know you listening, you gotta get tired of it. Well, like, with modern movies, there are really good modern movies. There are some that are still being made, but it's few and far between. Um, like, last year, I'd say some of the, the two best movies, as far as I'm concerned, were Mandy and Hereditary. And those movies are excellent made films that have kind of their own voice to them. Um, but if you look at everything else that came out in 2018, you'll see a bunch of repetitive product over and over again. That comes down to the exploitation genre and the horror genre of just repetition of the same themes and ideas and even the same shooting style. And if you're going to get involved in filmmaking, you need to have your own style. I mean, you can crib things from other filmmakers, but you also need to keep in mind that this is your voice and what you're trying to say. Do not turn out the same 
fucking ghost movie that has been turned out for the last 10 years. Like, I like The Conjuring. I think it's a good movie, but it's the same fucking thing. It's the same thing as Insidious. It's the same thing as, um, God, Paranormal Activity for the most part. It's the same themes shot almost the exact same way. And it's just, at a certain point, it does not remain interesting. So if you really want to make it in the film industry, like, you will eventually get picked up. People will appreciate what you're doing and saying if you just stay true to yourself and do something that you find interesting regardless of what everybody else is doing at the time. Well, with things being repetitive, that's just how the future goes. That's what people are interested in, and I think a lot of it started with uh, a big change in television and shows like The Sopranos, Oz, The Wire, Lost, these extensive dramas. And um, it's kind of interesting because I feel The Sopranos, Oz, and uh, The Wire especially all had very wrapped and well endings that were hated massively by the audience, and because of that, because of people's complaining and hatred, Things have spawned into Game of Thrones and just endless, massive dramas for you to have 37 hours to every second that I have off from work that I don't have to think. I can fill my mind. All my all my media is going to come directly from this until I'm so immersed with it. Uh, like the Harry Potter series, just anything that's just complete Marvel movies at this point. All these massive interconnected, everything's one universe. You have to consistently stick with it to follow the plot and see this movie, this movie, this movie. See this prequel and understand this to get this to get this. It's all one thing and it's just a distraction and you're not looking anymore. Your antenna's not up. You're not noticing other things, older things, newer things. There is so much media around you and you're stuck on one specific odd thing and it's just it's passing time we're not even as much as you get stuck on that one specific thing and we can get really recent with this something like game of thrones like everyone in the world was obsessed with game of thrones thought it was the best show that they have ever seen they got so immersed in it and then what happens with the last season and then the last episode fuck that show they ruined it i can't believe they would do this to me blah 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 it's Jesus, you can't even enjoy what you love because you didn't get the ending that you wanted. Well, that's the point with art. I mean, that's one of the big things is being exposed to a different feeling or acknowledging something that might be outside of your comfort zone that you're not used to. And, I mean, let's look at some of the greatest movies ever made. Nothing has a particularly happy ending. Even the greatest art pieces like uh, Bosch, uh, portraits and visions of hell and, and the most grotesque and disgusting things that at the time religiously someone could imagine. Art itself is painful, political, hate, love, m every emotion that you can have together. What do you want out of a show? Do you just want 923 hours of everyone getting along, holding hands, and they all live in the end and buttfuck? Well, it's not even so much that. It's like, well... You didn't make my favorite character come out on top on that one, and you didn't do it in the way that I thought you should do it. It's just, just be the happy way she goes. Be happy that you got eighty-five hours of a television show you really like. So what? You didn't like the last episode. Almost every last episode of a television show is fucking crap. I grow up. Actually, works. Tony Soprano gets shot. Jerry Seinfeld goes to jail. I didn't see the last season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, but I'm sure it didn't end happily. Nobody liked the ending of Cheers. Twin Peaks? Fuck off! 
nobody's happy. Nobody's ever happy. It's the way it goes. And then that's where we come in. That's the whole point of us to direct you when you're pissed off or confused or don't understand what's going on. That's where critics come in and is the necessity of critics. Yes, we're the enemy to the director, whatever. This isn't 1930s Hollywood. We're not jotting down who got drunk on the set of the new MGM picture. We're just talking about movies and how we feel. Well, as an artist, I mean, you made an interesting point there. We're like, not the enemy of the director. And the director should never look at a, a critic as being their enemy. I mean, you need to take what a critic tells you as a valid response to your piece of art and what you might not have put in there that would validate it to someone in the audience. You need to listen to a critic. I'm not saying you need to do exactly what they tell you to do, but they're going to tell you the problems. And that's what I always, as a critic, will do is I will pick your movie apart and tell you what you've done wrong and what does not work for this particular story that you've crafted. Now, you don't have to listen to every single one of my complaints, but you need to understand that most of those complaints are valid. It, on my end, anyway, I'm not saying from everyone in the audience, I'm pretty steeped in this shit, and I can tell you when you've done something in your film that probably is not going to resonate, feels awkward, you probably shouldn't have chosen this bit of music for right here. Uh, a valid complaint that I have about a lot of, um, a lot of films, especially when you go to the past you go to the 1960s like uh, Zack Snyder is criminal for this like in something like Batman versus Superman um, Justice League a couple of his other movies he will spend over a million dollars on buying classic songs like even in Watchmen every song he put in Watchmen was like a top 10 hit from the 60s see we're in the 60s because I'm playing the mamas and the papas and you, like that piece of music does not work for here. You just stuck it in here because it breathes through the. I mean, it really feels like that era. Like, really go through some songs from the '60s and find something that fits this scene. Find something that isn't the most insanely popular song ever. You don't need to spend the three hundred fifty thousand dollars because you have to have this particular Beatles song. You can find other things that will indicate what you're trying to indicate and. That's kind of the job of a critic is to look at what you've done and pick it apart and tell you what just does not resonate, what does not feel right. And the big point here, too, is uh, entertainment. We started Death by DVD with humor in mind and being entertaining in mind. And the full function and point of this now is we, we talk about film and we're going to criticize and review movies. But we want to entertain you. We want to talk about things that sure are possibly current we can get to things like jordan peele we can get to things like neon demon we have some really great planned future episodes involving comparisons and some some new topics something that we don't think is is often talked about or really acknowledged and the point is just diving back into the past a little bit here there are a lot of reviews about things like dawn of the dead you can go and type into Google and find a million Dawn of the Dead reviews. So when we come back and we talk about it, we want to try and give you an angle that hasn't been appreciated before. And sometimes that takes criticizing the movie. So I don't always have the best things to say about George Romero, but I consider him a complete and total god. But that doesn't mean he always made the best movies. Look at Bruiser. Go watch that and then defend it. You have to be honest. But it's not – you can't compromise yourself with personal emotions or personal feelings. You have to be honest with your perspective, and that's our point. 
I will defend aspects of Bruiser. The one thing I will not defend is the fact that they go to a weird Misfits live performance and he kills a guy with a fucking stage laser. What the fuck were you thinking, George? What kind of ending is that for a movie? I got That's the ridiculous. Misfits. Like the Misfits would be playing this way. What's it like a chic magazine? And they're having like a fucking release party or something. And they have the Misfits playing. Are you shitting me? The that Michael Graves. That's not something that in reality. The Michael Graves Misfits. This will be a little bit like the John Carpenter Kurt Russell commentary for the thing. You might hear some bottles pouring and some lighters clicking. We'll we'll eventually learn how to master that out, and until then, we'll make a game of it. Uh, I correctly count how many times my lighter goes off, and you'll get a sticker. Something I don't know. I was listening last night uh, while I was watching and listening to the commentary for Night Rider by George A. Romero, and uh, I think John Amplis. Tom Savini, George, and somebody else partakes in that. And listening it's, to them uh, talk. It's, uh, you know, Tasso, right? From uh, Dawn of the Dead. Tom yeah. Friend. Yeah, it's his brother who's a George Romero historian. George, I think Cletus Anderson might be there. I'm not positive. Yeah, his, his brother actually was in, I think, Night Riders for a couple scenes. But um, listening to all these guys talk and, and just hearing how excited they were to go back 30 years and talk about this movie really reminded me of, of what makes me passionate about death by DVD and what makes me want to continue with this is how we get excited about things. And recently we'll, I just dive into it. Something that upset some of our audience and I guess some people involved in the movie, we had a review on a film called the Ranger and it wasn't the greatest. It wasn't the worst though. I mean, by, by all means, I think we've been much more vicious and had much more tenacity toward other movies, but we the were whole, not vicious at all on that film we were just being truthful about certain aspects of it we didn't say jesus christ why did you even attempt to make a movie you guys suck we picked it apart and told we told the truth about what was wrong with the film the whole point was being constructive and and deconstructive and we were filling a segment talking about a movie that was on a themed show about summer and it fit in when we do something that was 30 years old and don't have the most positive review, we don't seem to get that same negative feedback. And it's, it's just maybe a question to the audience of where's that line that's drawn? Is it because it was punk rock and a part of your culture or pseudo punk rock or whatever you want to call it? Where are we stabbing you in the back by being honest? You have to take Death by DVD with honesty and with criticism. We're here to talk about movies. Not all of them are good, man. Not all of them are good. I really think a big problem with specifically a movie like The Ranger is with the underground culture that surrounds a lot of independent cinema now, when you talk poorly of a film or criticize that film, it seems like you're shitting on someone's dream and they tried really hard. And I know it was hard to make the film, but here are the reasons why it did not work for me. And those are valid reasons and you have to listen to it. I, I don't want your career to be over. I like... I think that's the biggest misconception is the like the indie horror genre is if you say something bad, then their career is going to be fucked up and you just need to support people. I'm fully supportive of the people who've made that film. I mean, like it was produced by Larry Fesden for God's sakes. who's was just kind of like a king of indie horror films. And I'm glad that Larry Fesden is still producing films and is still making these things accessible. But at the same time, this movie didn't work for me here, here, and here. I'm sorry. It's not anything personal. 
I think simplicity behind being a critic is kind of unaccessible to the audience because everyone wants a personal feeling behind it. Well, why didn't you like it? Is it because of this? And we give you the examples. We tell you why we don't like things, and we try and break it down as much as possible. And if we lack some personal uh, affliction to things, that's because there's nothing there. It's not with intent. We're not trying to be hurtful, harmful, negative, or destructive. We're just telling it as it is, just as you would and uh, you'd read in Fangoria, Deep Red, Ultraviolent, all of our predecessors, and that's where we're at. You can sit and buy the new Deep Red and read somebody else's criticism and take it in one hand. Now you're listening to it. Death by DVD is a, a critic show. This is the whole point, and it's what's been the point since year one. Yeah, it's um, like getting back to criticizing things and. Not every film is held to the same standard as every other film. I choose to look at films as judging them for their merits of what you presented to me. Like with a trauma movie, I generally like most, like a, a good amount of the trauma made films, the ones that are written in house and produced by trauma. And I will judge that differently than I judge a large budget picture. I won't criticize certain things like special effects were bad in this trauma film or whatever i judge it as what it's adding to the to that particular genre that it's a part of you have to kind of give movies a bit of a break but at the same time something like the ranger for the genre it was in it still made major mistakes here here and here and it didn't ring true to what you were trying to do well, even with trauma, you've got something like in-house trauma-produced movies and then acquisition movies, which you can totally rate on two different levels. You can't compare Tromeo and Juliet and Surf Nazis Must Die on the exact same field because one is a Lloyd Kaufman production and the other one was acquired and is done by a completely different group of people. So even in-house, you know, with companies, you have so many different fields, so many different options. We, on the last maybe 10 episodes or show, have been uh, doing a cult point system, which is a similar to any, any other rating system, star system you will get. I think, you know, uh, for the, the best intentions of the show, we'll continue with that to give you our official Death by DVD rating, you're in mind. Do you want to, I guess, on this new episode one, describe cult points so we don't have to again? Well, it's a pretty simple premise that I straight up bootleg and stole from Deep Red. Um it's a five star system, so a movie can get like zero to five stars. Uh, like the film Goodfellas would get five stars. Uh, a movie like Horror House on Highway Five would probably get zero stars. But to indicate the value of the movie outside of how well it was made and how good of a movie it was, you get cult points. So Horror House on Highway Five would get a zero as far as filmmaking skills, but it would get five points the most cult points you can get uh, for just being interesting being an interesting film outside of other problems with the production like story any of that stuff and like goodfellas i would still give them a, a fair amount of cult points even though it's a major hollywood picture that's like, like a award-winning movie i would still give it like three to four cult points in itself because of the cult that's surrounded that film over the years the amount of fans it has yeah, the kind of the mystery surrounding the movie in itself. So that's how the cult point system works. Like uh, another example is something like I Come in Peace, a Dolph Lundgren action film from uh, like 1990. I would say it's probably like a two and a half 
out of five stars for being a good or decent movie, but I would give it four cult points because of some of the amazingly weird details in it, like the fact that a killer uh, compact disc in it, uh, an alien drug dealer, Dolph Lundgren and himself, uh, Bub the zombie playing the head of a uh, white-collar crime. Sherman Howard. Or or Herman, uh, or was it a Sherman Howard or Howard Sherman? Because he's billed as two different things in several different movies. He's the backward man. He's the official backward man. He was also in an episode of Seinfeld. See, look, we have fun facts and trivia on Death by DVD. The whole point, I guess, is we're just here to have fun. Uh, it doesn't need to be serious. Uh, it doesn't need to be the Canadian Broadcasting Centers after us, which they are, and they always are, and they always will be, just as they are after Michael Ironside, and they killed his entire family. We'll tell you about that someday. We we will. We promise we will. But Death by DVD, you know, it's for the people. It's by the people. We'll cover whatever. We're going to talk about movies, just whether you like it. Yeah, we're going to talk about movies in general. We probably won't focus so much on stuff like The Deer Hunter or uh, super like big budget or Academy Award winning films. We're probably never going to talk too much about Marvel or anything like that. We will primarily focus on cult films, horror films, um, weird oddities, things like that. And we will also not get into super weird oddities uh, these will be mostly narrative films that we're not going to be talking about like a weird dunkin donuts training video that came out in the late 80s that's just not my forte particularly i'd rather talk about something that has uh, some backstory to it um something like we will probably talk about neil breen a little bit but Neil Breen is covered so heavily in media at this point anyway what's what are we going to add to neil breen Really, I mean, there's that's a, a good point. YouTube videos about them. Well, you know, that's a good point in general, though. What what are we adding to things? And that's kind of the angle that Death by DVD is coming at. And I, what, I, what I think both of us are coming at and the angle we're trying to portray is we're adding something to a lot of things that don't have additions. Now, you can look up a movie like Last House on Dead End Street, and there are a million different reviews on it. When we started the show 10 years ago, it was still pretty lost and almost impossible to find. Guys like John Walter Spuzner and Art Ettinger had reached out to Roger Watkins and had recorded audio commentaries of the film and had worked with him hand in hand prior to his death. And that's fantastic, but he still was kind of lost. Now it's very open. You can find, you can buy a copy of Last House on Dead End Street on an Easter egg from Vinegar Syndrome. It's all over the place. A lot of the things that we were exposing and talking about years ago have been exposed. So we need, we, we need to move forward and cover new grounds. Something I've always cherished is uh, somebody came and, and talked to me once about we did years ago just covering it because it was something that we thought was interesting, Sleepaway Camp, and you historically unveiled the character Angela, uh, the final scene of the film, to have a giant horse cock, to which I lost my shit and laughed hysterically for about 15 minutes straight. And it's come back to me and been told I never saw Sleepaway Camp. I saw that movie specifically because of Death by DVD. And shit like that is like, as an adult, watching Joe Bob's new show and remembering the first time I saw some of the movies that he talks about or knowing the facts he's talking about and you feel connected and it makes you feel like you've kind of done something cool. So we continue for that reason, really. I mean, we know so much garbage. 
for years, our family and friends have just kind of shrugged and wondered what the hell is wrong with us because we are invited to the barbecue and decide to give everyone facts about Metal Storm and how it was made because that's what we know. We've immersed ourselves with film, media of every size and shape, not specifically good or bad or artistic or every fucking Fellini movie ever made, but we focused on the fun, the trash, the psychotronic, the things that were lost. And I think that's something between you and I, really, that it has almost been an addiction, finding these bizarre movies that are lost and unheard of because they're lost and unheard of. And it's appreciating and evaluating and valuing this art. Someone went out of their way to make this. Something like Winter Beast. Somebody went out of their way and made this movie. Well, I, I got to see it now. Somebody invested time, years of money and effort and, and, and just putting their blood and sweat and tears into it. Well, now I got to see their art. And it's the appreciation on a, a wholesome level, really, of we evaluate art. That's what we do. Well, yeah, even something like Winter Beast, um, if you want to get back to that whole cult point system thing, Winter Beast would be a zero stars, five cult points. Earning five cult points in its entirety, mostly for some really insane clay animation and one awesome performance by an old gay man in a weird flannel sports jacket. That's brilliant. Winter Beast, we actually recorded on the Death by DVD Classic a commentary for Winter Beast, and that's something uh, I've been asked about a few times, too. Are you guys going to do commentaries? Yes. We hope to even do bigger and better and more accurate commentaries. And by I mean accurate, uh, more precise to the timing and you being able to sync it up or enjoy it on your own. And again, we're not going to sit down and do a full commentary for Goodfellas, just using that as the reference. We're going to stick to Microwave Massacre. We're going to stick to maybe public domain movies because we might be able to even slap our commentary on them and put them on YouTube and not get the living, loving shit suit out of us. So again, the, the big point is we're just giving you a new product. Product out the ass. For two guys that really live uh, in the they live John Carpenter universe, we're going kind of... We're not selling out. We're buying in, Steve-O. That's what we're doing. We're buying in. I'm not selling out. I'm not buying in either, my friend. I will always be hardcore. I'll remind the audience, I, Alexander Nash, and I are actually recording in a room together. He chose to be naked with a 12-inch blue mohawk. Uh, I am somewhat uncomfortable, but... It's all right. These are all lies. We're in uh, southwest Indiana in a bunker waiting for the world to end. These are all... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where we are. Still fucking lies. That's what I'll have to say about Hank. I will come up with a determined and true wonderful backstory that will appease and make the audience go bananas one day. Uh, But until then, I guess really what makes the show is the movie's... We will be returning. I mean, we're going to have episode two out as quickly as possible. This is our Death by DVD episode one explanation. Uh, I, I believe the first episode was called Introductions and Mysteries. So we'll quaintly call this Reintroductions and Mysteries. And we're going to get right back to the movies. You know, you've got a chance with this episode to hear us babble and experience how our babbling is, what we're going to talk about, our subject matter, who we are, if that even matters. This is something to zone out to while you're mindlessly at work, and you're going to learn a lot about Roddy McDowell. A lot of made-up bullshit about Roddy McDowell, more than likely, I'm assuming. You'll get some facts, but you'll get some 
debatable trivia, like the fact that he is the worldwide king of the swing, limbo champion 1985 to 2004, and king of spring break 1983 to 2004, which I took over the title in 2004 to now. Again, you're just, you're a liar, Hank. It's You're not so much break. lies. I, I totally am. I am the king of spring break. That's that's and I'm the king of the rodeo. <laughs> Urban cowboy? Uh, I can't dance. Drugstore <laughs> cowboy. I'm more of a drugstore cowboy if you've seen that one. So not a cowboy at all, more of just a drug addict. Uh, but I have boots. Just don't put that goddamn hat on the bed. That's all that's important. I'm putting it on the bed. So I guess I mean is this are we are we nearing the end is this the end of episode 1 of the new Death by DVD if you would like it to be sir I mean we can go on we can we can talk about how I wish you would not touch me while we lay in bed that's a weird Vincent Gallo reference I was going to go with but it's not going to go anywhere nobody's seen Buffalo 66 we're spanding time together I I I love you I love you a lot we're the lovers, but we're lovers that don't touch. We just don't, don't touch, touch me. each other. <laughs> I don't like to be touched. Don't touch me. That's a great movie. Yeah, Vincent Gallo. The, again, this is some weird, different subject matter. Hopefully, we'll be getting into uh, art films, a different territory. I love Vincent Gallo. He's one of my favorite human beings, despite probably being one of the biggest dicks on this planet. We love assholes, though. We love douchebags. Lucio Fulci, he's a, a known misogynist, very difficult man to work with. But we talked about him a lot earlier and, you know, Death by DVD years and the first few seasons 10 years ago. And we've got a lot of different perspectives and movies we haven't covered. Like, I don't think we've ever really done the beyond. We haven't really gotten deep into the mythos of Fulci. Italian cinema in general, we're both very big fans on, but for some reason there hasn't been a lot of subject matter on that. So we'll have some... some over the years, we've, uh, we've peppered in and out of it. I mean, not much giallo. I am in no ways and means a giallo master. I have seen very few. It's just not a genre that interests me that much. I've seen a bunch, but I have not seen the magnitude that is out there. There's literally hundreds of them. But we'll talk about, like... Definitely about Argento, if Hank can, uh, you know, survive that again. We'll talk about Fulci. We'll talk about Joe D'Amato. We'll talk about Jess Franco. We'll talk about all the uh, European exploitation filmmakers from back in the day. Yeah, that's a reference back to the very early days of Death by DVD. We decided to do a Dario Argento special, and I just immersed myself in it. I spent about 48 hours straight watching nothing but Argento, absolutely everything I could get my hands onto, which... Up until that point, I don't believe his Dracula atrocity had uh, come to notion yet. Oh. So everything but that. And I did that in a two-day period with no breaks and was broken. And for quite some time, had a very big difficulty watching Argento films. Not because of the subject matter, because I didn't like them, but it I just overloaded my sensory so much. And that itself should say something about Dario Argento, and especially his work between, I'd say, 1972 to around 1989. He was a master of bending—he was a magician, really. A magician of bending imagery and just— it was a delight to watch his work, but if you immerse yourself in it, my God, can it just fry your brain. And since then, I've fried my brain on multiple other substances and multiple other film directors. A few years ago, we got head over heels into Cronenberg and David Lynch, and you get to a certain point where you realize not only is film a dream, but all of this is a dream. 
bringing up David Lynch, that's somebody that whose fluency I, I, I enjoy so much really gives a great projection of the show because David Lynch works in a a most nonsensical imaginary world, and that's kind of where we work, and it's all a dream, baby. Who's the dreamer, though? It's me. I am the dreamer. Oh, I, I disagree. I think it's your fat Kodo. It's Yoff. Did you just call him Yoff Fat Kodo? Because it yeah. sounds like you're making a fat joke. Yeah, Fat Koto. Yeah, I was I was giving all the phonetic pronunciation of his name. It's Yafit Koto. Yafit Koto. Actor. Is it me or you that says Bill Duke wrong? You. <laughs> I just. Why would you it? question? It's always you. You always but, called him Bill Dukes. But I just didn't though. So now it raises the question of who's the real Hank, me or Alexander Nash? See, there's all sorts. I never of pronounce names wrong. Oh, I, I never do. Okay, so who is the reason everyone got infected in the thing? And who do I sometimes resemble? Oh, uh, Richard Mazur? Fuck you. You only said it right because we did this last night, you son of a bitch. We have, <laughs> we've managed to uh, mispronounce that man's name wrong for about 10 years in a row. A whole lot of them. We're not as bad as Joe Bob Briggs, though. But again, that's kind of the fun of uh, Death by DVD recanting another kind of fun story. I don't remember what the hell the show was about, but I was trying to make a... Not an Orson Welles joke, but it's all I could remember. I, I was trying to go with somebody else's name, and that's all I could bring into head because I got the O and I got the S, and I was trying to do Owen Wilson, and it just all got bugaboo. And we'll try and keep to, I guess, ignorance. Maybe that's me being wet-brained. We'll, we'll try. Yeah, I mean, we'll... Throughout this first episode, we've talked a lot about a lot of pompous bullshit about our experience with film and us being critics. The show will not be completely broken down absolutely as almost a college course. It will be a lot of goofball bullshit as well because that's just what we do. I can't help but make fun of Hank and Hank can't help but make fun of me most of the time. There seems to be a big thought that we don't like each other and that we aren't friends. And uh, I don't know, maybe we'll keep the fun with that going on. Ten but... years of hate. Well, what makes things interesting is we don't agree with absolutely everything. And wouldn't that be boring? Why would this continue for 10 years if we had the exact same consistent review on everything? It's two different people coming from two different thoughts, lives, and backgrounds discussing what they think about one common thing, film. Ah. Well, well, see, like with you, I don't particularly agree with your ending of The Sopranos. Well, okay. Can we start there? Let's, let's yeah. go there. I don't think Tony got shot in the head. I don't think he got I, shot in the head at all. I 100% think Tony got shot in the head um, because that's what David Chase said. So why do you the not? The way I view it, anyways, I never even sat down and watched the show particularly. Um, I watched the last episode. I've read some things. But from as I viewed it, they all walk into a diner, him and his family, and literally everyone in that diner while Journey is playing is someone who is, was either fucked over by that family or somebody whose family member was, people they've killed, brothers and sisters, all these people who randomly appeared in the show throughout the entire era of it. And at the end, there are both there, the whole family's just sitting at a table and they're surrounded by basically their enemies and it cuts. And that's kind of the whole thing is they will never be a family. They will never be happy. They will always be on the tip of their toes for the rest of their lives. Eventually they will be shot. Because they have fucked everyone over so much that they have no rest. They will always be 
paranoid and suspicious for the rest of their lives, and their lives will be miserable. The end. Well, here's where your issue comes into hand. You've admitted you haven't watched the entire show, and the last episode sets it up pretty clearly. There's a meeting between the New Jersey crew, which is the Sopranos family, and the New York crew. A boss is killed. You find out that a member of the New York crew has flipped and gone missing. They've gone to uh, you know, one of the many acronym agencies and given up information. Almost all of Tony's crew is killed or is in a coma at this point. And then the last scene shows somebody in a members-only jacket walking inside. And then it cuts straight to black. David Chase made the mistake of saying in an interview that, that, that Tony was executed in that scene and then made a joke saying, well, I wish I'd never said it. So you'll never really know what the truth is. But in my perspective, a boss was killed. It was a very rash decision on having a boss killed. Three people flipped and half half of New York and half of New Jersey has been executed in a mob war. The only next step to make sense is to kill anybody that might make a plea bargain. And that's Tony. So Tony gets whacked. We'll find out, though. I mean, the Mini Saints of Newark, I don't know if that's the full title. It's either the Mini Saints of Newark or the Mini Saints is almost finished being filmed. Uh, it's on location out in New Jersey where they shot The Sopranos. You got Michael Gandolfini playing young Tony Soprano. Uh, Shane from The Walking Dead, I believe, is playing Johnny Soprano. You got a lot of Polly, Big Pussy. All the characters are coming back. It's going to be a... A movie, it's David Chase being involved with it. My problem and complaint is I, again, I said this at the beginning of the episode, I'm completely comfortable and fine with how The Sopranos ended. I'm fine with how Oz ended. What what happens? The prison gets shut down. Yeah, but that's the point. They were all in prison, so they just go to another prison and finish their sentences or they die because it's a show about a bunch of guys in jail. Well, that's the problem when you get with definite endings of things. And I like, especially my Sopranos ending, I think that leaves it more open for interpretation in the future that specifically with the show for me, I don't know about anybody else. I don't want a definite ending. The show endings that have worked have been, well, basically these characters continue on. Like I was never a big fan of friends or anything, but I know at the end they all kind of went their separate ways and started families and all this other shit. But you get to live with the characters. You get to, okay, they're going to continue on and be happy, blah, 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 blah. And with something like Game of Thrones, you got a death and an ending, and you didn't fucking like it. And that's well, why you didn't like it. What about something like Twin Peaks? I mean, I know you're a big fan of David Lynch, as am I. What do you think about that? I mean, because that's something that really, the first season of Twin Peaks was absolutely different than nearly anything else that had been on television at the time. And the viewers that set down and experienced that first season bulked so much at what they experienced. You got the absolutely inconsistent, insane second season. And then 26 years later, the, uh, the return season three. Well, with Twin Peaks, I mean, at the time period, what everybody wanted by the end of season one was, well, who killed Laura Palmer? And they you didn't find out. So ABC instructed them to solve the mystery because that's what people want. They solved the mystery and everybody was unhappy with it and no one continued to watch the show. The people who did continue to watch the show were hardcore weirdos like myself and we were the ones that were most interested in seeing the third season that came out and I thought the third season ended in sort of the same way as the first season and somewhat the second season where you are given no answers and things are as just as tipped over as they were in the beginning no definite answer so you can always like think about it you can always 
tip the scales in whatever direction you want to. If you're not giving a definite answer, you can still fantasize about the show. Where Game of Thrones tripped up is now no one wants to fantasize about what happened because they already know. And they were pissed about it because they got to find out. Well, pounded it even more balls deep. I disagree because I felt Twin Peaks, especially, well, not in general, but Twin Peaks, The Return, season three, had a very definitive ending. To me, when I viewed it for the first time and then went back and recalibrated my thoughts and read both of the Mark Frost additional books that you can buy, and again, just immersing yourself in with whatever and consumerism, and you can enjoy it or you can't. I do. I had a lot of fun with the Mark Frost books. I had an ending. I understood what happened. That's the, the, my idea of what happened at the end of Twin Peaks season three. That's a whole show that we will save because we learned 10 years ago on the first episode not to shoot your wad with awesome movies like The Thing on the first fucking episode. So I won't get two balls deep into that again. I got to keep changing the references. You can't say balls deep twice in a row. That's that's inconsistent of me. But I had a wrap up consistent ending. of you, though. Well, it's too consistent. I got to keep it all, you know fun and funky and let the kids know spicy new terms that they'll fill their ear holes with i don't know but i had an ending with twin peaks season three i immediately understood what was happening and wept i mean that shit hit me and to me i got it and that's just taking firewalk with me and i guess the show in the world of david lynch and who he is i mean a lot of people will argue and say that david lynch with lost highway lost his touch as a director and was making a complete inconsistent uh, nonsense movie, and I know personally your opinion is is strongly different when it comes to Lost Highway as an artistic piece, and that itself is Death by DVD. So many people can't stand David Lynch because of that, but something, uh, we were discussing this earlier actually with David Cronenberg, um, I prefer Shivers, you prefer The Brood. Most people hate Lost Highway, and what you have to say about it I think is is pivotal enough, it should change your opinion if you dislike it. Well, I mean, you can go in many directions. The Lost Highway, you think it's about, about body swapping and all these different concepts that are going out. But really, what Lynch accomplished with that film was a master of tone. He took it. I mean, Lynch has always been dark, even down to something like Eraserhead. Twin Peaks goes in dark places. But Lost Highway... Eraserhead is isn't dark. Eraserhead's not dark. Eraserhead is almost a motivational story about coming to terms with being a father and growing up, and it's just the interpretation through somebody else's nightmare. You have to take it as change, and the horrific aspect that change is so frightening and scary, it's a nightmare, but you have to embrace it to become something else. I don't think that movie is dark. I think it's uplifting, almost. I would disagree with you i'd say it's most always do dark. <laughs> i would say i mean it's dark it's about as dark as you can get personally yeah and but I, you get what I'm. I mean. not, you're not wrong you're not wrong with your assertion of what you think is going on in the film definitely i mean the the ending is somewhat uplifting but throughout the film it's the darkness of all these things that could happen to you in the future especially as a parent and the ending of Lost Highway, I wouldn't even consider that dark because it's just... I'm in your happens. house. Um, it's just a loop that they are going to con like continually run over and over again. Um, but what Lynch is a master of is he is a master of dream logic and being able to use all of his devices as a filmmaker to get your head in a certain space. Because Lost Highway, I mean, just think about the music that is used, think about how it's shot think about 
how it's acted, the all the characters that are added, and all the dark themes that it's about. And it's just a mastery of being in this like this world he's created. He doesn't give you answers. He's not a filmmaker who's just going to like George Romero doesn't give you answers either. I mean, most of his movies end in non- the island. The island. That's that's a Romero. That's ending. the lightest ending he's ever yeah. had, and it's still well, not that light. You get only three up. people left on Earth. Well, you get it brought up several times, and that's just the hope, and it's the aspect. The island, there's an island, and things are going to be okay at this island, and you have it repeated in uh, the shot on video ones where they find that weird island off the coast of Delaware, and it's supposed to be perfection, and the whole concept is finding a place of perfection, hope afterward. We're going to find this island. We're going to get out of here. Things are going to be okay, and maybe they do. Maybe they get out of there and fly girl and everyone's happy. Well, I see. I view Romero's endings, even his happy ones, as, yes, they are about hope, but it's about having hope in spite of all the problems surrounding you. It's You have to have some sort of hope. You have to keep going on. You may not have much gas left in the helicopter, but I guess we're just going to see where this takes us. I mean, it's it can go in some dark places or it can go in some light places, but the most important thing to remember is you have to consistently have hope about things no matter how dark things are well going back to what we are and what we are as critics touching on david lynch recently jean-luc Godard was asked what he thought of david lynch and if you've watched any of, of lynch's movies he really takes a lot of influence from the french nouveau film style and things like an experiment in terror early hollywood movies all of his films feature this long shot of driving in the dark and you know you've got a very americana feeling to what he's doing and you really can tell where his influences come from and guys like quentin tarantino are often talk about you know they've stolen their work from other people or they directly steal scenes and that's neither here nor there on the subject but you look back at these older guys and you see where their appreciation comes from and Godard was asked what do you think of david lynch and he said I feel that he film is in general dreams and you're supposed to be focusing on dreams and making dreams. But David Lynch deals so deeply within himself that it doesn't make sense and there's no ending to it. So criticism in general coming from somebody that is uh, regarded as one of the greatest film directors of all time compared to somebody that, again, is regarded as one of the greatest film directors of all time. It's neither here nor there and it's transient. All of this and everything completely is transient. And that's the point of having criticism. You can take it or let it bounce off of you. David Lynch might have been very hurt by that, but he probably smoked an American spirit and had a glass of red wine and talked to himself for an hour. And honestly, I don't think David Lynch gave a shit. Yeah. I think David Lynch was like, oh, whatever, I do what I do. Because he, he meditated. It's all about the dream. It's all about, I'm not giving you answers. This is. I'm giving you questions. Giving you answers is antithesis of what I'm trying to create. Godair is trying to answer his own fucking problems. He's trying to answer his own questions in life. And well, it's two different styles of filmmaking. That's what makes things unique, and that's what, again, uh, focusing on us is the point. We have two different styles. We have two different things going back and forth. And the whole point of this rant and getting onto the Sopranos ending and how things are different is we have two very different trains of thought, just as Godard and and David Lynch might or an average Quentin Tarantino fan to a Robert Rodriguez fan might. Everyone is different. Everyone has a different opinion. And what we want to do biggest is provide something fun 
I want people personally to listen to us and go back and find movies they had never heard of before and experience something and look at something and have fun with it. Well, like as you bring that up, I mean, something like on the Facebook page of the Daily Death by DVD where we just post an image for people with no caption for them to figure out what it is. And in choosing those images, when I choose them, I try to hone them down to an image that absolutely speaks for itself. I mean, it's almost a painting in itself. It's just a startling image. And the whole point of that exercise is to get people to see a very interesting image and want to know what film it's for. Once they figure that out, they can go and track it down and watch it because they were amazed by one solitary image from the film, one still that really sparked their interest in watching it. And what's made that a lot of fun is, you know, if you're on Facebook, if you're on social media, more than likely you're talking to me. Behind the scenes, I, Alexander Nash, picks the dailies, and he takes, you know, as you just explained, takes that time to give us something different and fun. The interaction we get is really... What drives a lot of this is seeing people excited to find out something new. And what's neat is seeing guys in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. Oh, yeah, man, I remember when I saw that movie at the drive-in in in 1982. Tell us your story. Type it up. Let us know what's going on and let us live that drive-in lifestyle again. Something Joe Bob brings up, and he always has the oath as part of his new show. That really is. The Joe Bob Briggs drive-in oath, Chaz Ballin, that's where we come from. That's our train of thought. You grew up, Alexander Nash grew up, reading Deep Red and writing Chaz Ballin and getting bootleg tapes in the mail. I grew up with Ultraviolent Magazine. I grew up with worshipping guys like Art Ettinger and Scott Gabby and trying to find these obscure strain. I remember the first time I ever heard about Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer was from Ultraviolent. And I want for people that listen to us to be able to find something new and to capture that same romantic feeling. And it really was romantic hunting down a movie that you couldn't find and finally getting it and taking that time to sit and watch it and enjoy it with nothing else, just you, the movie and your thoughts. And what death by DVD does essentially is uh, replace your thoughts or maybe help you uh, compound your thoughts and grow a new one. (laughs) <laughs> grow a new one that's an interesting way of doing it um yeah it's, if you are a cinephile it's about sharing stories it's about sharing experiences it's about sharing ideas of the, what you have different films it's a very interesting conversation you can have where you don't have to absolutely dismiss what the other person says because it's all subjective now, if you get into politics, you get into all these other things, then people, there are walls that people definitely put up. Like, I won't go past this, and I won't listen to you tell me this because I, it's just not true, and it's just no facts to back it up. But with film, it's something that can spark a discussion that can go on and on and on and on of why you like a film, what resonates with you, why it's important to you. And it, some of the best conversations I've ever had in my life were about movies. Some of the best times I've had in my life and some of my favorite memories are from movies. You know, you hear people tell you these stories about, I went to this festival, man, and I saw Fish and and all these other hippie bands and all this stuff, and I did so much acid, and I partied my ass off, and it was great. 
and you hear and you see it like you watch a horror movie even and it's all these friends going out to a cabin and vacationing and taking photos and everything's great. I've had the same warmth and love being able to wait and go see a movie at the theater and have the excitement like Green Room. I was so excited for that Fury Road. All of us were just blown away and excited for once. People that hated being in their houses just wanted to go and watch this and experience what it was for what it was because we were fans of just the excitement. You know, it's like being an adrenaline junkie. It's just chasing that feeling and trying to recapture it again. And sometimes you really have sentimentality from your childhood. I grew up with horror. That was a big part of who I am and why I'm into the things I am now. I grew up with a lot of these things instead of Star Wars. I had... Michael, like Michael Myers was my big thing. That was one of my biggest things growing up. I want to be Michael Myers. I love it so much. And then you're 16 old and realize, wow, I'm possibly a sociopath. I shouldn't be Michael Myers. I'm going to listen to the Bauhaus and paint my fingernails black and calm down for a little bit. And I did. And everything's fine. Maybe. My sister Judith is still missing. But you get a love and an addiction and this feeling and you want to capture it again. You want to remember when you were scared for the first time or... When you watch a certain movie and it makes you jump for the first time, feeling that, hearing other people feel that, it brings something, it just brings something to you. You don't feel alone. And you're never alone with Death by DVD. We're always here, completely nude. I actually have clothes on. Alexander Nash is always completely nude, but we are always here for you. Well, like, as you were speaking of, like, from the past and nostalgia, like, when I was a kid, I had a bootleg copy of Brain Dead slash Dead Alive, whatever you want to call it. And no one had heard of that movie. It was not available really in America anywhere. And I introduced so many people was it, to that film. What Was it a Chaz Ballon bootleg? I won't say. <laughs> Ooh, oh, oh, well, I don't think he can get taken care of by the FBI anymore. Yeah, I'd say that's probably true. Yes, it was. Um, the Deep Reds but- Forever. I introduced so many people to that movie, and they all got really excited, and it became a lot of their their favorite movies. A lot of the point of the show is to recapture that feeling over and over again. And even when back when you were a child and uh, the video store days, you had a slumber party. You would uh, take a bunch of friends to the video store, go to the horror section, pick out three or four random videos with weird boxes, and take them home, and then sit there and experience them together and experience some of the weirdest shit you've ever seen just because you had no discernible criteria before renting it. You just rented it because you thought it'd be fun to watch with your friends. And you did. And you like, at least for me, introduced me to just the most interesting world that like you can be a part of is just this bizarre world of horror films and underground weird shit. And that's the first time I ever saw Heavy Metal is looking at the cover over and over and over again and finally being able to stay the night over at a friend's house whose mother didn't mind us renting something with such a lewd cover. And if you remember the cover, the originally Heavy Metal, it's a girl sitting on a giant armored bird with her breasts out and very scantily clad. It's a very erotic cover title, and we thought it was a porn and sat down and watched it. It was just this very fucking submersive, very odd cartoon that changed me into a different environment in a different world and and you you want to capture that and you want to relive it and like the first episode of death by dvd we had tourist trap on it i remember struggling to find a copy of that movie just to watch it for the very first time and i had never seen it before and was just blown away i knew who chuck connors was i'd seen the rifleman 
uh, he one of Larry Cohen's very first ventures into television was working with Chuck Connors, and they created Branded together. Well, not together. Larry Cohen created Branded and gotten fired from it, and they kind of used his idea, and it spiraled out. But Branded, everybody knows Branded. You know, the guy it starts, it's got the great intro where they break the sword over the knee, very unrealistic, and he's shamed from not doing something, an old Confederate soldier, and now he's Branded and has to prove his right with Chuck Connors. And it's this very heroic chiseled chin american looking guy and you watch and you sit and you see something like tourist trap and it is just psychotic it is mind-blowing it's up there with texas chainsaw massacre is a movie that is an experience in its own right of fear fun uh at the time period when it came out movies like that it really was somewhere like the texas chainsaw massacre using that as a, a good frame of reference movies like that like tourist trap were not done and that's charles fucking band dude that's charles band at his prime and i don't mean to say that insultingly i'm not a giant full moon guy when it comes into the 90s and especially things like evil bong or ginger dead man but charles band on his own wonderful uh, just so again just this is subject matter we can dive into so much deeper with this new death by dvd and having the right to do whatever we really want to a uh, full moon Charles Band, just guys that you don't really get to hear about as respected quality directors who are, who really are talented individuals. Well, I mean, especially back in that era when Charles Band, as a producer, was finding like great talents because when he, um, he gave David Schmoller his break for uh, directing Terrorist Trap, he, he gave, gave a lot of breaks. His break. Um, he had a, a whole in house Roger Corman kind of thing going on. And then throughout, like, once Empire fell and he started Full Moon, it kind of, everything changed because all of his little carny tactics that he'd used before were no longer going to work. A uh, major studio is not going to deal with that kind of bullshit, like, underhanded shit. Like, yeah, you pay half the budget and I'll pay half the budget, or I'll just take the half you give me and keep my money and I'll just make a movie for $350,000 instead. We use the term carny pretty regularly on Death by DVD, and I feel sometimes it comes off in an insulting manner. What do you mean when you when you say carny? Because I know personally you're not saying it negatively, but... Well, carny, I mean, the idea a of... Barker. Carnival. Well, I mean, Barker's a part of it, but the idea of carnival is you talk something up, you find marks especially in the old days of the carnival, because what you're technically wanting for all these people when they're coming to your carnival is their money. You want them to spend as much money as possible here. So like with a freak show, you talk it up. You talk up how crazy it's going to be in there, and you talk about the alligator lady, and eventually you go in there and you just see somebody has like some really bad eczema. But the important thing was the sizzle, not so much the steak. And people like Charles Band, Roger Corman, they really knew how to sell sizzle. H.G. Lewis, Lewis was a master of selling sizzle, and that's yeah. the carny aspect of it, is trying to get you into the theater to see something that maybe you've never seen before. They may not deliver, but it's the production around the actual product that you're trying to sell. It's like Lloyd Kaufman would be considered very carny, just because of how he sells his movies, the, the way he sells his movies. And I don't mean like a weird... Like he's doing some fraudulent business deal bullshit. He just knows how to talk it up. He just knows how to sell a film to a, a company, specifically a theater now, since they don't really have distribution particularly. He 
tours one print of a movie around the entire country but that's what you got to do now i mean some directors are resorting to that is just getting a print of the movie and then turning into a whole thing go to an almo draft house have a q a session and that's how you get your movie seen because sure as hell you're not getting a release at any major chain theaters and you can't get anybody to buy dvds anymore and it just gets lost in streaming so you have to you have to go out there and sell it it's we've like regressed right back to the carny days again which i'm fine with i'm perfectly fine with with that because you're going to get some really interesting products when you don't have to listen to some studio telling what you can and can't do one of my favorite guys that's commonly referred to as a carny on this show is a guy named larry cohen who passed away earlier this year and we it was one of our first debacles with the philosophy of the dead segments i wanted to do a whole philosophy on larry cohen and again a point where you and i disagree is on the politics or the political nature of larry cohen's films which i gotta say a guy that attacks the fda twice in a 90-minute movie, he had a political motive, but I also understand and see where you're coming from. But Larry Cohen was that fashion. He was a salesman, and just like guys like Lloyd Kaufman, all of them are different styles of salesmen. So you got to take it back to, like, the 1950s. Imagine being a housewife at home. Somebody rings the doorbell, and it's a vacuum salesman. Then about an hour later, somebody rings the doorbell, and it's uh, uh, the new milkman trying to get you to change brands from your favorite milk that your husband and his family has been drinking for 20 years, but you're kind of interested in it because it's low-fat and it's a little bit different. Then, about two hours later, after you're finally sitting down and trying to relax, another salesman comes by. It's just the exact same thing, and you're trying to compound different products. And a lot of the times, they're the same thing. You look at Troma in the 90s, and you look at Full Moon in the 90s. These products were just fighting each other for who could put out the, the, the bigger rubber monster, goofier movie. And all of this subject matter and more is, is important. All of these things, these battles, we did a whole show once on the rumors that Fangoria wrote about. Not even so much rumors, but the miscalculations of when a critic or uh, a journalist would get material, they'd write a review about it, they'd put something into the new issue of Fangoria had come out, and it would be ridiculous stuff, like Billy Idol is going to star in Terminator 2. All of this, it's not so much that it's important, it's just literally we're giving you... Pieces of it's. Uh, I mean, adding on to our edition of who we are, we're film historians, and and these it, we have these things in us. Somebody else wants to know them, so we're we're purveying them and giving them to you in a different format, and it's just fun, you know. Uh, from what I understand, with that Fangoria episode, I guess it annoyed some people because it came off almost insulting. A couple of years ago, we did a review of the Green Inferno, and personally. Uh, when we posted it and pinned it and tried to get that posted around Twitter, it would get taken down and pushed down because Eli Roth is very sensitive about things like that. So subject matter obviously matters. You talk about certain things, you talk about certain people, certain people and certain things get upset. Fe scenes, fields, subgenres, uh, the punks, the metalheads. We did a show where we talked about heavy metal. I understand a Fangoria writer did not enjoy the write-up and took it as insulting, so they retweeted it, which, thank you so much for that free publicity, just like that time I got into a fight with Wesley Snipes on the Death by DVD Twitter. You really just help us gain followers. And they misjudged what we were talking about and thought it was a mistake. Again, uh, here's another fun piece of Death by DVD history. Years ago, we did a review of Black Devil Doll from Hell, the Rotten Cotton production, not the original movie. 
And we sent the review to Sean Lewis on his Facebook page for him and his brother to check out. And we really didn't have anything negative to say about it. We talked about the original movie. We compared the two, where it comes from, what type of movie it was, why it was made. We gave a pretty fair review. And let's be honest, just bringing it up, if you watch the movie, it's made to be reminiscent of a certain genre. And it's made specifically almost to be bad. Deep Red writer Shane Dahlman listened to pieces of that episode and instantly ripped us apart and said that we were assholes and that we were awful and called it cheap and poorly made. And Sean himself, this is years ago, this is nine years ago, this is ancient history, Sean himself had listened to it and, you know, had a disagreement and things go back and forth. So even when it comes to what you would call important figureheads in this industry, we have kind of put a crack into things because we're not always agreed with and that bothers me that we're expected to consistently agree with absolutely everyone. And a lot of the reviews we've done in the past, I hate to say some things were fluff pieces, some things I really would like to come back and change my opinion on. We did an entire series toward the uh, release of Phantasm Five, just kind of really trying to get downloads. Let's be honest here, trying to catch some new audience members. And we kissed the living, loving ass out of Phantasm Five. Ravenger's an awful movie. It's just not well made. Yeah, it's not well made. There's plenty of issues why it's not well made. We can come into that and do a whole new Phantasm series one day, and God, yes, we will, just to talk about Reggie Bannister and how fucking awesome he is. But times change, people change, we change, the show changes, reviews change, critics change, horror changes, the industry changes. Uh, finding a movie is, is so difficult. You can't even just sit down and, and pop something in. You would go to Blockbuster and look at all these titles and look at the back of boxes and figure out something you wanted and get three movies to watch over the re weekend because you had a late fee and you had to watch them and have a schedule in life. Now you can sit down and spend 17 hours trying to find one movie on Amazon Prime, not liking it, and then going to bed. We hope to uh, fix that, give you some material to hunt down, find, enjoy, esoteric, odd anything there's so much out there and between i alexander nash and myself we'll never hit the bottom of the barrel because we've already dug past that oh we did a police academy episode we've dug way past that we've done our i think it was episode two no i'm sorry it was episode three we did chud two i mean episode three of the original show nine years ago we did chud two and people still continue and choose to listen to this and i'm gonna tell you we're going to do Chud 2 again soon. <laughs> I have so many more things to say about Chud 2. I have more things to say about Chud 2 than I have to say about Chud. Uh, John Goodman's great. Yeah, John Goodman for his 30 seconds is awesome. And I guess now we have to say we're, we're competing with old Joe Bob Briggs. His show comes out on Fridays. We'll find an adjusted new time for Death by DVD. The last few months, we've been releasing Thursday nights, and that seemed nice. Joe Bob Briggs is coming out with a season two of his show, and again, it kind of makes things difficult because a lot of his material, guess what? It's ours, too, because we're the same fucking people. Not that we're hicks. I am and wear cowboy boots, but I'm a redneck. Alexander Nash is a very esteemed Yankee gentleman from Boston. Uh, do I sound like I'm from Boston? No, do I I'm sound just, anything like I'm from Boston. I'm just saying things. I'm just <laughs> saying words at this point. I will not reveal my location. 
Yeah, it's Anytown, USA, baby. We're we're naked in the bowl. I'm not naked. I'm gonna keep saying it. Nash gets closer and closer every few minutes. I have boots and a shirt and clothes on. He's completely nude. Um, but we're in a new studio. We're doing things differently, and this is it, I guess. This is Death by DVD. This is uh, the tenth year that we've been doing this. Death by DVD ten. Uh, Death by DVD redo. We need a good name. Year zero, like the Cambodians called it. I guess you can call it year zero. Ooh, it could be version 2.0. Ooh, I because like that. that. That's a thing that lasted for a while in 1999. Yeah, we're new and updated and slightly less bad audio quality. Who knows? We'll see how it turns out. But this is it. This is Death by DVD. You know, we're we're here. We are directly returning with movies. That's it. That's the point. That's the show. So we'll be back with, I don't know, a whole buttload of stuff. And fun things for the family. Are we family friendly now? In no way, shape, or form will we ever be family friendly. How old would you say you need to be to uh, to listen to Death by DVD? In all seriousness, with our repartee, uh, I think twelve is twelve. Is, <laughs> twelve is old. It's fine. <laughs> twelve and well, up. Uh, yeah, twelve and up's fine. They're gonna hear the word "fuck" one way or the other. And let's be honest, your twelve-year-old should probably be watching the gate because we did. Twelve-year-old we is saying "fuck" on a regular basis at school. Trust me. Well, hey, let's look back to when we were children and some of the things that we watched, like The Gate or Monster Squad or The Goonies. Sure, we're submissive creeps that talk about horror movies on a late-night podcast, but I'm not a diddler. You're not a diddler. I we have you shot up any schools? No. See, I can't cop to that, though, because when I was 12, I, I watched Henry Port of a Serial Killer. I was a weird 12-year-old. I was a weird kid. I watched a lot of, like, my mother watched, watched Creep Show when I was five. We watched The NeverEnding Story and Creep Show. So if that tells you anything about my personality, I've been literally steeped in horror films since I was a small child. This isn't a thing I came into in my 20s. This is something I've always lived forever. One of my earliest memories uh, is back to childhood. My mother had purchased a Batman tent, and it was made to look like the original Batman show with Adam West. And we had a big old cathode TV. We're going back to the 80s here. And on Friday nights, we would set up the Batman tent in front of the TV and make a cozy, as we called it, and we would watch Joe Bob Briggs. So my childhood starts and moves forward from the 80s and 90s forward, which wasn't the particularly best era of horror movies but i was raised on deep red ultra violent joe bob briggs it's been my life uh when i was a kid one of my favorite things to do was i had a little batmobile that you could pop the little batman out of and i would hold it and pretend it was a pulse rifle and pull myself under my porch deck and scream for my mom and pretend i was bill paxton and aliens being killed we were both odd children we're very odd men and we're here for your entertainment and possibly pleasure purposes but you got to message us privately on that because i think prostitution's still legal thanks mike pence yeah that was mike pence yeah i will whore myself out for any cause absolutely necessary if you give money to death by dvd so we can uh, buy golden microphones and personally i want all golden teeth so every word i say is gold like I, alexander nash oh that's sweet so we're reaching the end here. Do you have any final statements on this first episode, episode one? Technically, episode 373 of Death by DVD, 10 years in the making. Okay, let me sell some sizzle. 
with this show, there will be thrills, chills, laughs, and cries. Ah, who gives a shit? Just listen to the fucking show. I don't have it, 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 We're gonna be mildly talking about movies for two hours at a time. Listen, maybe, to maybe even longer. We really don't have a recording limit on here. And you know, back in the day, we even had wonderful episodes where I, Alexander Nash would read to us. Which, desperately, this is an all-points bulletin to Death by DVD fans. If you can find a copy of Murder on Location by George Kennedy, message us. We will take the book, I guarantee you, as we did ten years ago. We will read the entire thing. Nash will read a chapter. I will read a chapter. We will read the whole book. We never finished doing it. And that is one thing over all these years that has deeply upset me. We never finished that story. George Kennedy, hell of a writer. Yeah, George Kennedy, a great man, a great, great sweaty man. So that's the end. George Kennedy, sweaty, shiny, beautiful. So this is Death by DVD, year 10. I am Hank, the world's greatest local funny man, whatever the fuck you want to call me. And you, you're Alexander Nash. That's correct. That is 100% correct. The professor, the no longer dark artist, but dark tattoo artist, Horror critic and friend to everyone. So we're here We're here permanently until, I guess, one of us dies or, again, we get replaced with a Hank 5. To end things as we classically used to, the ashtray is very much full. The bottle is empty. That's it. This is my DVD. Concluding broadcast day. Death by DVD is recorded in front of a dead studio audience and broadcast from on top of the Sunshine Crystal Mountain in any town in the USA with an effective radiative transmitting power of 316,000 watts. Portions of programming throughout the day have originated on videotape, film, or slide. Thanks for watching, and please join us again tomorrow. Have a good night. Ladies and gentlemen, the future farmers of America National Band and our national anthem.